This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. How many times have you said, oh, my aching back? Low back pain is the leading cause of disability for millions of people worldwide, according to the World Health Organization. It's a common problem that can impact anyone from young adults participating in sports to weekend warriors to the elderly. No need to suffer anymore. Our medical expert takes us through some common causes of back pain, how to treat it and how to prevent it in the first place. We'll also look at the right and wrong way to do some household chores, from raking the leaves to clearing your driveway, and how some yoga poses can help alleviate your pain. This pose is very good for creating stability in the lower back. It's all straight ahead on Prescription for Life. Welcome to Prescription for Life, your healthy dose of information that might make your life a little easier. I'm Monica Robbins. Back pain can be the result of injury, a disease, or even your posture. Now, depending on the cause, there are a variety of different options available to relieve that aching back. And depending on how long you've been experiencing the pain, you may have entered the chronic phase, and that can severely affect your quality of life. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, a Georgia woman says years of chronic back pain were resolved after she began receiving high-frequency spinal cord stimulation. Our reporters at WTLV explain. Mary Lou Hage has been using the Nevro HFX spinal cord stimulation device for four years now. The pacemaker-like device is inserted into the fat of the patient's back. The device is on 24-7 to stop pain. She said the device addressed the pain in her back right away and has allowed her to spend time with her grandchildren and enjoy her life pain-free. I'm 72. I still garden like I want to. I still do yoga. I still walk like three miles a day. So it keeps me pretty active. We like to see improvement in their function. Can they stand longer, walk longer, be more active? Can they sleep better? And can we get that quality of life back that they lost? That's what we're really looking to get. And the doctor there added that the treatment is effective and has helped give 19 of every 20 patients pain relief. Now, the treatment isn't a cure for everyone, but it can be effective. About half of the people see more than a 50% improvement in their pain. Now onto our Cleveland Clinic expert to shed more light on back pain relief. Joining me now is Cleveland Clinic neurosurgeon, Muhammad Mackey with Cleveland Clinic Spine Health. Thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to be here. Okay, we're talking all things back pain and you are the expert. So I'm curious, what is the most common cause of back pain? So the most common cause of back pain is actually arthritis, which is an umbrella term that encompasses everything from disc herniations, degeneration of the bones and ligaments, to malalignment of the spinal column. Are we all at risk for this as we get older? Back pain is becoming one of the most common chief complaints for primary care physicians, so absolutely. So what is the most common cause, if you will, physically, 
Is it something like you're going to do, like exercising or something like that? So uh, a lot of my patients, uh, the operative patients, have have engaged in repetitive movements for a prolonged period of in their life. Um, one great example I'd like to give is the runner who's just run marathons or long distance marathons for years on end. Of course, that type of strenuous activity does take its toll on your back. So what are the latest and greatest treatments out there and when should I go see you? So there's a lot of misconception that circulated around the general population about back pain and about spine surgery in particular, especially uh, a few decades ago in the early years in the advent of spine surgery. But I would say that the future of spine surgery is today. We've made huge progress um, with burgeoning success. And my focus, my focus in spine surgery is minimally invasive approaches to the spine. What does that mean? So we can actually do uh, surgeries with less muscle dissection and small incisions. I'll give you a great example. One of the most common operations I do is something called a lumbar decompression. That can be done through a two centimeter incision. Patients go home the same day as surgery, and then they return to work within just a few days thereafter. When is the pain, the pain that I know I need to go get help? One of the um, missions that I believe so strongly in at the Cleveland Clinic is the multidisciplinary approach to patient care. I work in the spine center. Uh, I'm a neurosurgeon in spine, but I work in the spine center along with my colleagues in orthopedic spine surgeons, as well as pain management doctors who focus only on injections in the spine, as well as endocrinologists who can optimize bone health. You know, millions of women and even some men are at risk for osteoporosis. Does that impact the spine more than anything else? Of course, osteoporosis is an underrated contributor to back pain. Um, and we actually work closely with an endocrinologist who can optimize the bone health in patients, um, especially those patients who are prior to undergoing spine surgery. So what about the pain? There's a difference between real pain and muscle pain. How do I know that how do I know what that difference is? Does it depend how long it lasts? So the pain that you're feeling, usually with arthritic pain, it's pain that gets worse with activity. And we see that a lot, not now a lot in the winter time when patients are shoveling snow. But so too that goes in the fall when breaking leaves or in the summer when patients are more um, eager to go outside and engage in outdoor activities. So when I feel that pain, if I know, oh, I just shoveled the driveway and you know now my back hurts, it's not that bad. But what, how long, before it's a real problem, like maybe it lasts a week and it doesn't seem to be getting better. When, what's the difference between just general back pain and chronic back pain? So chronic back pain is actually one of the most common causes of chronic pain in general. It usually occurs after about three months of persistent discomfort in the low back. Usually patients have tried other non-operative treatment strategies, including medications, injections and therapy. Bulging discs and that sort of thing, how common are those? And is there anything, is there any preventatives you can do? So bulging discs is one of the most common uh, findings that I see on imaging in my patients. To per, 
Usually patients who have bulging discs, I recommend that they maintain good posture. I cannot overemphasize the importance of ergonomics, especially now when we're shoveling the snow in the winter or even in the summer when we're engaging in outdoor activities. You're saying use your knees more. Use your knees more. Don't bend over to lift heavy things. And you just made me like sit up a little better. That's one of the biggest problems though. We all have bad, most of us have bad posture. So how do you fix it with when, when you do have bad posture, just sitting up actually hurts. Yeah, it takes it practice. <laughs> um, it just be mindful of um, always of the way you're, you're using your joints and in your body. So for people who are on their feet all day, are they at a higher risk for back, back problems? We do see that a lot in our patients because unfortunately patients who are on their feet all day are hunching over frequently in their jobs. So that is why I always ask patients to just be cognizant of the way you're standing, be cognizant of your ergonomics in the spine. Does all spinal problems require surgery? Is there anything else that can be done? In fact, most of my patients, I don't recommend surgery. Um, one of the missions that I believe very strongly in at the Cleveland Clinic is a multidisciplinary approach. So in the spine center where I work, I work alongside the orthopedic spine surgeons, as well as pain management doctors who specialize only in injections in the spine, as well as endocrinologists who can optimize the bone health in the spine, and physiatrists, which are general medicine practitioners who specialize in non-surgical treatments of the spine. So when patients come to me, if they're not ready for surgery yet, I can curate a non-surgical plan uh, with my colleagues. So when, how bad can it get? Like when somebody is, you know, they can't even get upright or they basically can't get out of bed or they require a wheelchair, obviously they need to come in and get help. But what types of problems could that be? I always tell patients the warning signs that does required surgical intervention includes neurological deficits, which means patients who have weakness or having numbness in the arms and legs, trouble with balance, um, and even bowel and bladder function. All of these, you should see your spine surgeon sooner rather than later. Wow, okay, so the types of surgeries you do, um, you're saying they're more minimally invasive now. Um, I've, I've known a lot of people who've had fusion what is fusion and is, is that like the worst case scenario? So we always try to exhaust non-surgical treatments first before going on to surgery. Surgery should be a patient's last option. A fusion is a scary term out there in the general population, but I would, um, I'd like to let our patients know that we've actually made leaps and bounds and our techniques in terms of spinal fusions have improved remarkably. And in fact, I can now do lumbar fusions in a minimally invasive approach as well. So patients have less pain after surgery, they're mobilizing the, um, after surgery and they're getting back to work sooner. So you're saying mobilizing mm -hmm. after surgery, that means right after surgery, they're getting out of bed? They're getting up and walking. Wow. So what about those types of surgeries where it may impend your movement period? So if uh, a sh fusions that only include one or two levels in the spine are actually not going to restrict your movements that much.
Um, larger fusions are really reserved for case patients who have very extreme cases of degeneration in the spine. How many people should actually, who might be watching this and maybe like, oh, my back is a little achy, consider maybe talking to somebody about this? The best time to come see a spine surgeon is now. Even if it's just mild pain, I'm always happy to see these patients. Because again, at the Cleveland Clinic, I can curate a non-surgical plan for my patients with my colleagues. Is bed rest, ice, heat, the answer? I don't recommend a lot of bed rest. In fact, I want patients to overcome that fear avoidance of pain to really remain active. But uh, icing and um, Tylenol is okay with me. That's, that's another thing. A lot of people with chronic back pain, they may be not realizing how much, you know, pain, over-the-counter pain meds they're taking. Um, when is you know, when is it time that when it's not working, you need to do something more and not take extra medication? So first and foremost, I always recommend we should not be turning to opioids to address our spine pain. Um, we should always try non-narcotic medications, including muscle relaxants, um, over-the-counter uh, Motrin, for example. Um, and then if patients are having, if their pain is still refractory to, to these medications, then it's probably time to see a spine surgeon. Is there anything we all do that makes you cringe because you know you're gonna have to see us later? Um, I would say patients who are not mindful of their posture is one of the most common causes of worsening pain. Um, and then also just daily activities. What's on the horizon for what you do for spine surgery? We're now actually pushing the needle forward in terms of how much surgery we can do via minimally invasive approaches. And you would be incredibly surprised of now even patients who re require larger fusion operations, there are minimally invasive treatment options. So I think the fear of spine surgery is, has dwindling um, as we've now advanced our techniques. Final thoughts, what would you like people to know? Um, it's important to see a doctor if you are having persistent pain um, because even a primary care physician can do um, a, a standard workup to, to ensure that we're not missing anything. Okay, all right, thank you so much. It was a pleasure, thank you. During this time of year, many of us grab the shovel to remove the snow from our driveway, but is there a right and wrong way to do this? Our colleagues in Maine head to the gym for the right way to prevent pain and injury. Coach Andrew Blaze is going to show us kind of the do's and don'ts of shoveling snow this winter. So where do you want to jump in? First, let's grab our shovels. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there is a right and a wrong way to shovel, and most people do things the wrong way, as we've talked about yeah. with exercise, with movements in life. Um, we create a lot of bad habits, so shoveling is a very easy one to get into those bad habits with. So we're going to talk about the do's and the don'ts. Okay. So the big don'ts, people feel their a lot when they shovel mm -hmm. because they're not really thinking about how to get down to the snow. They're thinking about just moving that snow as quick as right. they can so get they can get on here. with their day. Right. So 
you see a lot of rounding and scooping with a rounded back. When you come out of a rounded back here, you're gonna eventually feel some pain. Might not be right away, but yeah. later that night, you're gonna be like, oh, my back's hurting. So what do we wanna do then? We are gonna take it from the back and put it into the hips. We've talked about hinging on here before. Yes, we have. Many times, I know you know how mm -hmm. to hinge. So we're gonna apply that here. So when I'm going to stick my shovel down into the snow, I'm gonna get into my split stance so I have some good stability down through my feet. And then from here, I'm looking to push my hips back and and pull my hips forward. This is the movement here to get down to the snow and come up out of the snow, okay? So that's happening through the hamstrings, through the glute muscles, and it's gonna avoid any kind of pressure or tension outside in the back. So when you go down to, to put your shovel in the snow there, we're gonna hinge from the hips, push the hips back. You should feel a little tension right here in that hamstring, okay? Mm. So once you have that tension there, you know you're in the right place. Okay. And then it's very common for people to just kind of pull with their arms, all right? Your right. arms aren't quite as strong as the muscles out in the posterior side of the body, so we're trying to engage our lat muscles. Our lat muscles are the ones that run along the, the back side here. So that's actually what's gonna be doing the pulling. So once you have that shovel in the snow, instead of lifting the arms, we're gonna retract our back. We're gonna pull from the back, and then once we have that shovel full off the floor, then we're gonna engage the hamstrings and glutes to stand upright, get a good squeeze in the muscles yeah. in the back of the leg, and then using the back side to bring that, sho that shovel full off to the side or wherever you're putting it. So you're not actually gonna be using your arms, you're not rounding your back, you're gonna push the tension back into the hamstrings and glutes, stick the shovel in the snow, pull through the back so you should feel that retraction happening right back there yeah. and then once you have that retraction stand up through the hamstrings and glutes and then you can go ahead and dispose of the snow wherever you like so mm. the big common things to really watch for are feeling tension in the hamstrings and glutes on the way down feeling the tension in the lats out back as you're retracting you're not pulling you can see my shoulder is moving back because that's controlled through those muscles on the posterior side of the body rather than this where the shoulder's not moving. Right. If the shoulder's not moving, you know you're not engaging that backside. Yeah. So really focus on that shoulder's coming back. Now I'm securing the snow, standing up through my hamstrings and glutes, and then I'm gonna get rid of the snow. Another big common issue is because people are in such a rush to get it done, they take some big shovelfuls. Okay, we don't wanna do that. So in this case, less is more. More repetition is gonna lead to less injury, less tweaks, um, and also people can't handle the, the slushy wet snow yeah, up here. So really it heavy. gets pretty heavy. So if you have 30, 40 pounds on there and you're just kind of swinging it, it's gonna lead to injury. It's gonna lead to just minor tweaks. You might feel it, you might not, but later on the, in the night, you're going to be feeling it. So making sure that we're just pushing the hips back, loading up the tension through the posterior side, standing up through those hamstrings and glutes, and then disposing of the snow. And just remember, less is more. More repetitions will make mm -hmm. you feel better at the end of the day. And just from doing it with no snow, it's like a workout. <laughs> so, you know, you got that perk as well. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Now the same goes for raking leaves. Always lift with your legs, not your back. And doctors recommend stretching before and after you're done. Now, if you're dealing with back pain or any pain in your neck, shoulder, hips, or knees, yoga might be a great way to work out the kinks. Our station in Greensboro, North Carolina has that story.
It improves flexibility and helps build muscle and core strength, which can help alleviate discomfort. Don't be scared away by all the poses and the moves that you may see online. The key is finding the right type of yoga class. Find a class that has the words beginner in the title or slow or gentle, restorative. If your issue is really intense, maybe you want to find a chair class. Inhale, lift your head, your shoulders. This pose called the Cobra can help people relieve some stress from back pain. This pose is very good for creating stability in the lower back and flexibility in the lower back. So it firms all the muscles in the back body. That's all for this episode of Prescription for Life. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be back with another dose next week. Until then, wishing you and yours good health. Thank you so much for tuning into Health Yeah. Please find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Like and follow my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC. Find video podcasts at Monica Robbins channel on YouTube. And please subscribe. Wishing you great health and hope to see you again soon. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.